This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep, deep, diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General John McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast. Great to be with you on a uh, Monday as we record this following a weekend in which the Texans lose to the Dolphins in preseason week two. They made a decision on Sunday night to cancel joint practices with the Saints. So uh, it's no regular season, but as far as preseason goes, there's a lot of moving parts right now with the Houston Texans that we want to get into with you here as we record our first episode of the week. My name is Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast Sports Radio 610, and joined as always by the Hall of Famer, my good friend and our senior columnist at sportsradio610.com, John McClain. John, how we feeling? Terrible. Astros stink. Texans stunk it up. It was a bad weekend for yeah. sports in Houston. My yeah, it was goodness. It, it was a it was a rough one. I guess the one saving grace is that the Texans game didn't count. Um, but you're right. Saturday night was uh, Saturday night and Sunday were were tough ones. We'll we'll touch on the Astros. We got I got a little Astros built into some for real or fugazis for us a little later, John. But let's dig into the the Texans here, and we'll get into the joint practices or the now canceled joint practices and what this week holds for them in a second. But let's you and this is the first time you and I have sat down since the game on Saturday, um, since the second of the two joint practices on Thursday, and I figure we could do this four-stock up, four-stock down style like you and I like to do, and we can encompass the joint practices into this if you want to, or it can be just the game. We'll, you can go whatever direction you want to, but four-stock up and four-stock down from what we'll call the Miami Dolphin experience um, while they were here, and as always, John, you are the, uh, you, you are, you're the, uh, the senior member in the Hall of Famer here, so the honor is yours, my friend. It's going to be real hard to find four stock up based on that miserable performance, but the best was C.J. Stroud on his second series. First series was a disaster. Get to the one-yard line, you don't score anything. And then uh, the second series, though, he looked just like a veteran. Five of six, 52 yards, zipping the ball on time, out routes, slant routes perfectly, got rid of it quick, made all the right decisions. And they might end up with a touchdown. Problem was uh, he threw a perfect pass over the middle for Noah Brown. Would have been a first down, I think, from the Miami 17. And Xavier Howard, one of the best uh, defensive backs ever played, Baylor, sick him. Mm-hmm. He reached in at the last instant and made a great play. But everybody had to feel good about Stroud's performance. And we would have liked to have seen more, but they didn't have the ball for 20 minutes because the defense was so 
horrendous. So I would say C.J. Stroud, everybody has to feel so good about that one series because it was certainly better than anything you showed in the first game. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, John, my, this is where I'm at on C.J. Stroud right now at this stage of the preseason, at this early stage of his career, is that I don't really care about I, – I could care less about the final score of the game, obviously. Um, I want to have five or six moments during Stroud's performance in these preseason games, and I guess this would encompass two quarters, um, where I – can say to myself, okay, that's why they took him with the second overall pick. You know, that now, okay, that throw right there, that throw right there. And John, to your point, I thought on the drive where it ended in the field goal, um, that he had he had a, a handful of throws like that. He had back-to-back 14-yard throws to a, a slant to Nico Collins, a rollout to Noah Brown. Um, I thought the best throw that he had of the night on the scoreboard or on the game log, it just looks like he converted a third and seven with an 11 yard pass to Robert Woods. But you saw it just like I did. He's on the right hash. He's throwing it all the way across the left hash to the sideline in a microscopic window to get that ball in here. And he just made that look super, super easy to convert a key third down on that drive. Right before that play, he was kind of hit pressure in his face and he was able to get Dalton Schultz the ball to make it third and manageable. Um, yeah, it was a rough start, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in stock down. It was a rough start for C.J. Stroud, but the fact that that was the next drive that he came back with that drive, was able to put some points on the board. And I thought, John, maybe the best play that he had uh, of the entire evening was an incompletion because it was a drop by Noah Brown. But on third down, towards the end of the half, he was able to read a, 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 an unchecked defender coming at him Rolled, rolled out to his left. The defender knees buckled, so he did a great job of putting that guy on the ground and then running away from his arm through a dime to Noah Brown that if Noah Brown catches that, the Texans have first and 10 at about the 37 or 38-yard line in Miami, and that drive's still going. So um, I like the way he spread the ball around to a bunch of different receivers. Uh, I, I like that he recovered from the early kind of deer-in-the-headlight stuff with the delay of game. Um, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm a... That performance was to me. I'm forget about the scoreboard. Just the things that you saw him doing, the throws you saw him make. That's a big green arrow up for CJ Stroud for me. Absolutely. All right, my first stock up, John. I'm going to tie it into CJ Stroud. I thought the offensive line it helps when you have your starters in there, but they played much better in pass protection this time around. They couldn't run the football at all. But as far as keeping CJ Stroud upright and allowing us to at least have these moments that you and I are talking about, we couldn't talk about any of this stuff against New England because he was pressured literally on every drop back that he had with the second string offensive line in front of him. This time around, at least according to Pro Football Focus, none of the five offensive linemen allowed a single QB pressure. Now, we don't know what assignments are. Maybe some of the guys that came free, blitzes and whatnot, were the responsibility of offensive linemen. But the point being is that C.J. Stroud had a whole lot more time to, to read the defense and to get his feet set this week than he did last week. Um, so I'm going to give the offensive line a stock up this week, at least in pass pro. When I went back and watched the replay several times of, of certain plays, Juice Scruggs looked really good, the rookie center. He was knocking people off the ball. I looked up one time, and he had somebody who was knocking backward and then buried him. And when we asked D'Amico Ryans on Monday about Scruggs, the first thing he said was he got everybody set the way they were supposed to be, he did all the things mentally you want the center to do, and then he, he looked good physically. And uh, I don't think based on the small 
sample size that he's going to be an issue, but uh, he did look good. All right. What's your next stock up, John? Will Anderson Jr. One play he showed, well, we all knew what he's capable of, why Nick Serio traded up to get him to third overall pick when he just obliterated the running back Ahmed and just crushed him, reached up, sacked Skylar Thompson, stripped the ball, and, of course, everybody celebrated. I think we're going to be able to see that on a pretty consistent basis. But because of plays like that, he's going to start to get a whole mo- a lot more attention. And I uh, can't wait to see him when he gets in regular season. Well, good. Hopefully some of the guys along the front can make teams pay if they're going to double-team him or send extra guys at him. Jonathan Grenard had a couple nice plays in that game uh, on Saturday as well. Um, it was interesting. We were talking about the, the Will Anderson play. Um, this morning, Seth and I were talking about it on Payne and Pendergast. Um, and Seth pointed out, and if you go, if you, I'm not to beat pro football focus into the ground, but Will Anderson had the highest pro football focus grade, not just the sack, but of performance in all the snaps he was in across any of the rookie edge rushers across the league this weekend. So it wasn't just that one play. He was he was doing things. He was doing good things throughout the throughout the uh, the game while he was in there. Seth said the other thing he really liked about Will Anderson is that while he's playing a position where they, they really are kind of freeing him up to go, you know, see ball, get ball kind of thing, is that you can see him look down the line before the snap to make sure he's he's reading his run keys as well. So it's not that he's just this maniac who's running straight for the quarterback. Like, he's very disciplined as far as what his overall assignment is. Um, I'm really I'm excited about Will Anderson. John, we had him on the post game show. He's awesome. <laughs> he's he's a he is a great kid. He's a lot of fun. I hope he's looking down to make sure he wasn't lining up in the neutral zone, which is the dumbest penalty in football. That was a clowny special back in the day, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Last stock up, and you're right, it's hard to find four in this game. <laughs> I'm gonna give it to Mike Boone. Um, Mike Boone, the third string running back who came in and did some good things on an offense that did very few good things throughout the afternoon or throughout the evening, especially in the second half when Davis Mills was in there. Um, Boone showed a little wiggle while he was in there. He showed an ability to catch the ball, run with the ball. Um, I think he's going to end up making this team. You know, we're starting to get to the point in training camp here where we can really see where the battle lines are drawn for spots, you know, call it spots 40 through 53 on the roster. You know, every position group probably has one or two guys that are battling to be the last guy in that position group. Um, Dario Gumbawale and the Dokes kid didn't play in this game because they were banged up. So Mike Boone had a chance in the second half to uh, to do some things. And I thought considering he had that offensive line in front of him, the second string offensive line and third string for the Texans, which we know is not good. Um, I thought he did some good things. So I thought, I think if he's trying to make this team, I thought, and I know special teams are going to factor in and Daria Gumbawale plays special teams and so on and so forth. I I think they can find an 11th special teamer before, you know, having, I'd rather have somebody who's an experienced back like Boone, who has shown some, some, some burst here in camp. I'd rather have him as the third running back with him being, you know, one bad hit away from being in there for Singletary or Pierce then worry about who the 10th or 11th special team guy is going to be running down on punt unit. Well, I talked to Danny Barrett, the running backs coach. He said they have to find special teams that he can play, and they will because he's the third back's always got to play him. I thought you might mention Denzel Perryman. He had the yeah. interception. He had a sack in the first game. You know, the veteran middle linebacker had injuries last year. Two years ago, he's in the Pro Bowl and led the Raiders in tackles. And now because of him, they've moved Henry Toa Toa outside instead of in the middle 
So that shows you how bad they want to get Toa on the field. Yeah. Toa struggled a little bit, but uh, that's that, that's to be expected, I suppose. Um, yeah, you're right. They love Toa Toa. All right, so those are four stock up. Den, Den, Denzel Perryman is a bonus one. I will accept, John. That's a good one. Um, what's your first uh, stock down? The buffet is much more full for this part of the uh, podcast. The run defense. I know we've never said anything negative about the Texans' run defense. So um, this would – now, I know it's preseason. The run defense looked good in the first game against New England. But in this game, the run defense was awful. Besides giving up a 65-yard run, ended up giving t- 207 yards. That's got to drive to Miko Ryan's crazy. 49ers were second last year. They were seventh the year before. Texas had been pathetic for the last four years, by far the worst in the NFL last season. And I know D'Amico talks about, well, it's got to get better. Well, yeah, it does have to get better, but uh, it was not good. And because of that run defense, it helped them control the ball for 40 minutes and kept the Texans from having the ball enough to look at C.J. Stroud more. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, they, they, yeah, I mean, the, the box score was hideous for this game, no doubt about it. Um, I, I'll dovetail, mine will kind of dovetail off of that, John, because the run defense is certainly a big part of this. But just, and, and D'Amico touched on this, my first stock down is just situational football across the board, you know, starting with the, the red zone after the Denzel Perryman interception, just mistakes there with the delay of game on third and goal from the one. You basically forfeited seven points right there. Now, in the regular season, they probably kick a field goal on fourth and goal from the six. So you, you, you come away with three, but you're supposed to come away with seven. When you get down to the one-yard line with Damian Pierce, you're supposed to come away with seven points. The miscommunication on fourth down there between C.J. Stroud and Dalton Schultz, which I've, I've been told by somebody who is an expert at these things, I'll just say, that it, that was a Schultz that was a Schultz issue, not a Stroud issue on that play. Um, but either way, that's it's, it's a team thing. They were bad in the red zone there. They were bad. they were horrible on third down on both sides. Horrible defensively on third down. Nine of fifteen they allowed. They allowed two of two on fourth down, and then offensively they were two of twelve on third down and converting. So they were bad on third down on both sides of the football. And then end of half, you know, the Noah Brown had the drop in the last two minutes there that we talked about a little bit earlier on that really nice rollout by CJ. And then the Dolphins are just trying to run the clock out. I think at the end of the half with a minute to go. I mean, they're handing the ball off on second down at their own 25-yard line or something like that. And Salvan Ahmed goes for 65 yards, you know? Um, <clears throat> so just situ- the, the situations that head coaches harp on all the time, third down, red zone, last two minutes of the half, last two minutes of the game. The, te- the only one the Texans were good at was the last two minutes of the game because it didn't matter at all. <laughs> they, they were – they were bad in all those other areas. So situational football, John. Situ- if you're you can be bad between the twenties, but if you're good situationally and get off the field, you can win football games. They didn't do that on Saturday. Shocking. We've never seen that before. My next yeah. one is D'Amico Ryan's. By his own admission, he said that it was on him. You know, fans used to go crazy when they hear Bill O'Brien and Gary Kubiak 
say that. And of course, it wasn't on him. But third and goal at the one, the clock's running out. He admitted on Monday he should have called a timeout to help C.J. Stroud, and he didn't. But, you know, he's a first-time head coach. He'll mistakes that he makes like that he won't make in the future. And because uh, coaches have to have learning experience as well as the players, and everybody loves Miko. And uh, and we all think he's going to be really good. Every team in the league that had an opening wouldn't have wanted to interview him if they didn't think he had that as well. But we always think about players learning. Coaches have to learn too. And I'll guarantee you if it's third and goal at the one, another time the clock's about to run out, he'll call timeout. Yeah, my last one. I, he, I, I heard him in that press conference today, and I he, yeah that that that's the stuff that is. You're right. D'Amico's Q rating is still super high here in town. He is incredibly popular. He's done nothing yet to diminish his popularity. I know that the folks like you that are all the press conferences aren't wild about some of his answers to things. That he's a little not maybe not you personally, John, but I know. Boy, there's some people that he, he hasn't named a starting quarterback yet. He hasn't said CJ's the starter. So it's such a big deal. Oh, no. Oh, no. And and he's, you know, he tends to be pretty close to the vest when it comes to injuries and things like that. I don't think he's alone in that. I think that's just what coaches do. Those are the things that will eat away most quickly at the goodwill that D'Amico Ryans has. Game management, simple game management mistakes that end up costing the team points. That's what that's what'll do it faster than anything. He can have whatever demeanor in the press conference he wants to. I think people are used to that. When it's when you're doing things that are literally costing you points and ultimately could cost you games, that'll be what eats at his goodwill faster than anything else. And that was a problem the last two years, especially two years ago. But we know this: no matter what happens, Nico isn't going to be a third in a row, uh, one and done, because he's there for the long term with his six-year contract and. Uh, and it wouldn't have been as noticeable if it hadn't have just been on the one. Yeah. But I don't expect that to happen again. No, I, I don't either. My last one, John, just pretty simple. The the As good as the offensive line was, keeping C.J. Stroud clean, you know, they they couldn't get anything going in the run game when it mattered or in the first half. You know, you, you would hope with as much as they have invested in that offensive line, when you get first and goal at the seven against or whatever it was, the six or the seven, and whatever, uh, and you're going up against a defense that's missing Christian Wilkins, you know, one of their best interior defensive linemen. <clears throat> you, The hope is that you line up and you can get go get, you know, go go get seven yards. Now, granted, the delay a game penalty, they probably end up punching it in. But even when they had the ball at times during the next drive, you know, CJ's in a second and 13 because Damian Pierce gets blistered in the backfield. So my, my, uh, Second stock down, our fourth stock down total is the the running game offensively because we know this team wants to lean on the run offensively, John. They've said that. It's got to be better. On the seven, Pierce ran for one, then he ran for five, third and one. Thought they'd give it to him again, but cut for the delay. But when Pierce went down last year, you know, he missed the last four. He missed almost all the one where he got hurt. So basically he missed five. I'm confident that they're going to be able to run the ball better as long as he's healthy. And I expect Devin Singletary will primarily be a pass catcher, but he should, you know, he should be touching the ball on runs probably five times a game because it's so hard today. When you play 17 games, it's so hard for a back to stay healthy for all. Yep, no doubt. Um, I guess the good, the other bit of good news, John, Titus Howard, it looks like he's out of his cast. 
And D'Amico wouldn't give up too much about <clears throat> where Titus is at right now, except to say that he's progressing nicely. Said that earlier today in his press conference. I don't know, I guess reading between the lines and seeing he's got his cast off. I know you're not a doctor, John, but how optimistic are you that he's out there against Baltimore three weeks from now? Well, I'm guessing that he can play with a pad, his, his uh, right hand padded, and that cast come off, came off as a great sign. But uh, they'll have to see. You know, George Fant didn't play bad. He is definitely right now the swing tackle. Since Charlie Eck hadn't done squats since last season, I'm guessing he's going to start the season on PUP, which I can't remember how many games he has to miss. I think it's and six. Six games. And then he can have a three weeks once he's activated to, to, to get ready. And he may need a lot of time to get ready because when Charlie Eck comes back, he will have had no contact whatsoever. Yeah, well, he and his the 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 injury he's listed as. I know he had some surgery in the offseason, but I saw some report that listed it as a foot. Um, the bottom line is, I mean, you've been out there at practice just like I have. He's not doing anything right now out of practice that would indicate he's getting ready to play. You know, sometimes there's guys that are working out off to the side, and you can see like, okay, that guy's running cone drills over there. Like he's, you know, Chase Winovich is an example. When he was when he was on the PUP list to start training camp, that dude had the GPS tracker vest on and he's he's overworking out on the side field and doing drills and all kinds of stuff. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie may as well be walking around with one of those little baskets that has the water bottles in it and handing it to guys. He, he looks like just a, a gig, like a gigantic intern out there. We didn't see him in the offseason program because he wasn't on the field. He was rehabbing. But then since training camp begins, he walks around, he walks fast. He's got no limp. He's got no nothing on his foot or his ankle or his knee, whatever it is. So he looks he looks uh, not as good as his big brother John, who looks like the mountain <laughs> no, oh in Game God. of Thrones. But he makes Charlie look small. But Charlie Heck walks, and he doesn't walk slow, and he doesn't walk doesn't limp. So I can't wait till regular season begins, and they have to put out a legitimate injury report. Yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, so that's four stock up, four stock down from this weekend. Unfortunately, the game Saturday, a whole lot more stock down than stock up. But they live to fight another day against the New Orleans Saints, which brings us to our next topic here, John. The Texans, Sunday night, the news dropping that D'Amico Ryans gave Dennis Allen, the head coach of the Saints, a call and said, hey, we're kind of banged up. And I would imagine Dennis Allen probably felt like, hey, we're kind of banged up too. They were playing last night in Los Angeles against the Chargers, and they had some joint practices themselves <clears throat> out in L.A. last week. Um, I was told by a member of the Texans PR staff they would have been the last two teams, the Saints and the Texans, having any sort of joint practices with each other. Everybody else is practicing on their own. So the Texans, I, probably a good idea, I guess, to cancel it if they feel like medically it's the right thing to do. I don't know that for C.J. Stroud's development it's the right thing to do. That's fewer quality reps he's going to be getting. They put out a new practice schedule for this week that kind of mirrors what a regular season week would look like. And D'Amico had said today in his press conference that that was part of the – once the joint practices were out of the out of the picture, <clears throat> that they went it, with, with purposefulness to set it up like a, a real NFL regular season week. So no practice Monday, no practice Tuesday, then practice for three days, travel Saturday, game on Sunday. What do you think the impact is, John, from no joint practices on how much we see of C.J. Stroud and the starters – on Sunday night, you better see him more. You know, you don't need to see Laramie Tonso, but Trout needs to play. You can't just have one good series in preseason expect to go to Baltimore and be decent. That Baltimore game, ooh, that thing could be ugly. 
And uh, and so I think that all those young guys that have to that have to get the on the field experience are going to miss it. And uh, we asked Amico today about how he simulate joint practices in his regular practice, especially for a guy like Stroud. And he said they would do it as much as they could. Training camp is officially over. They've gone back to, as you mentioned, regular season mode, which means the media is no longer welcome at practice other than the bare minimum of watching stretching for about 20 minutes. Yeah, so we won't have nearly the detail nope. on the practices as we've had throughout the last few weeks. That's unfortunate. Um, yeah, I, yeah, John, I, there's, there's no way you can send CJ Stroud into Baltimore with this having been just the body of his work against teams that aren't the Texans two series against new England, two practices and two quarters against Miami. I'm real hesitant though, about putting him out there with no Laramie Tunsil out there with him based on how things went against new England a couple weeks ago. It was an off the protection was terrible, but, uh, um, Anyway, I don't, I wouldn't, maybe they'll play them all a half, but uh, I just know this Stroud needs a lot of playing time. Yeah. I'd rather have CJ playing a half with Laramie than have him playing three, three and a half quarters with everybody else. You know what I mean? Like it's, but I'm with you. The reps are the most important thing. D'Amico said that today too. The most important thing is game reps. So we're going to see CJ Stroud in this game. There's no doubt. We're going to see him for more than just a couple of possessions in this game. I, I, you know the preseason. There's no fourth preseason game, John. Like this is it, and you're off to you're off to Baltimore. So um, we'll see. Now, D'Amico did also say he would have an update on what that's going to look like later on this week. We'll see how forthcoming he is about what their plan is for C.J. Stroud and the starters in in New Orleans. I like it. He said uh, we say, well, what about an injury? Well, we'll know more tomorrow. Yeah, but will we? No. And uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I don't think he's going to tell us anything. Like we all know. C.J. Stroud is going to be the start. He is the starting quarterback. He's yeah. been the starting quarterback. That's the most obvious thing out of all this stuff. Out and of all the stuff that we're guessing on, there's no guessing going on there. He's he the starter. saying that uh, there will be a quarterback on the field in Baltimore. Well, yeah. that's gotten kind of old. It was okay when they were rotating early in camp, but we all know Stroud is a starter. Don't know why they don't just go ahead and name him. But when if they do, then all, it's going to be a big story all over the country. Stroud, Texans starting quarterback, but it'll be old news and news. When do you think they do it, John? They're not. They're not going to go into Baltimore on Sunday morning with with the NFL Today on CBS sitting there going, "Well, let's wait and see who they haven't named anybody yet." You know, like it, they're going to name him the starter at some point. I mean, I guess. I guess is it when the depth chart comes out the week before the Baltimore game? Like they're not going to make any announcement. They just do the normal distribution of the depth chart, and that's the announcement that CJ Stroud's the starting quarterback. Yeah, I think that'll probably be it. I think at some point he might go ahead and just say it. Okay, make a yeah. joke out of it. Yeah, CJ's the starter. Now, hopefully, this is the last training camp that we have to do this. Uh, this whole st who's the starting quarterback thing. <laughs> I mean, we've had to do it quite a few times over the last several years, John. This is their ninth, the Texans' ninth different starting quarterback in Week One in the last eleven seasons. Wow. How about that? Wow. Yeah. Good stuff, huh? You're assuming Mills isn't going to start then. I, John, I, I'm reading the tea leaves. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to make that leap. All right. Um, every Monday episode, John and I do a segment we call "For Real or Fugazi." For real, meaning that uh, oh, that's true. That's that's very truthful. Uh, fugazi, meaning uh, fugazi is Italian for counterfeit. Basically, what I do is I read a handful of sentences to the great John McClain, 
And uh, once I read them, if he agrees with them, he said, that is for real and explains why. If he disagrees with them, thinks I'm crazy, he says, Bugazi. Bugazi. That's Italian for fake, counterfeit, phony, or false. Look it up on Urban Dictionary. Um, all right, so I got a handful of these here in front of me, John. So let's uh, let's get right to it. Uh, for real or Fugazi, Tank Dell is already one of the five most important offensive players for the Houston Texans. That's for real. I was bummed when he didn't play in the game. I wanted to see him. I want to see him touch the ball. I think they need to get the ball in his hands as much as possible. That being said, he may not start against Baltimore. They may play Noah Brown to go with Woods and Nico Collins. But if they do do that, it won't take him long to get on the field. And I hope it doesn't take long to get the ball in his hands because as we talked about, he's the most explosive player. He's the only player on this team who can score anytime he touches a ball. Who's more important, John? I mean, obviously CJ is more important. Who's more? CJ and Laramie are the obvious ones. Do we put Damian Pierce in that category? Yeah, Damian Pierce is more important because he can control. He can control a game that affects the defense as well as the offense. Okay. Uh, next one, John. For real or Fugazi? Um, Will Anderson. He's the co-favorite right now for Defensive Rookie of the Year with Jalen Carter. They're both five to one to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. If you've got money, get in on it now at five to one because the odds are only going to get shorter as the season rolls on. For real or Fugazi? That it's going to be Will Anderson? The, yeah, that the, the Will Anderson is going to become more of a favorite as the year yeah, rolls on. Yeah, that's for real because he should get more sacks. Now, that the benefit for Jalen Carter, uh, assuming he can stay out of trouble, is the Eagles are going to be ahead a lot because they're good. So teams are going to be playing from behind. So he's got a chance to get the quarterback a lot. The Texans, if they... They gave up the most carries in the league last year because they were the worst team in the league against the run. So if that happens again, Will Anderson's not going to get as many chances to rush the quarterback because teams are going to be running the ball down their throats. But our defensive ends are flashier. They make bigger plays. They run in space a lot, and it's prettier when you're getting to the quarterback. So I'm going to say uh, a lot of Carter is based on not his – what he actually did on the field last year, but his size, speed, quickness, strength ratio, and Anderson's is based on what he accomplished on the field for three years. All right, so that is a for real. John thinks that it's five to one. Get in now because he's going to become more and more of a favorite as the season rolls on. He was three to one at the beginning of training camp, John. And then Jalen Carter, it's funny, John, how Instagram can move the line on stuff like this, like silly things like this. Like Jalen Carter had a couple plays in practice that you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. He might have been the best player in this draft if he wasn't speed racing through downtown Athens. He had a few plays like that. Um, but I'm with you. Will Anderson is um, he's something else. Uh, all right. Next one, John. After watching them for three days, the Dolphins, they are the favorite in the AFC East this season. For real or Fugazi? Fugazi. The Bills are favorite. The Jets are favorite. The Dolphins, are. they'll make the playoffs if Tua is healthy. They might be a Super Bowl contender because last year when Tua was healthy, the Dolphins were great. They had an extraordinary deep passing game. They were fun to watch with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. That team can play. And I'm thinking, I still wonder. I, I'm, the, why they didn't go after Cook when he was available. They still seem to need a running back. Mm. Uh, but hey, Mike McDaniel's a good coach, but I do not think they're going to uh, win that division. 
you know how it is in that offense, though, John. Like Kyle Shanahan, he, Raheem Mostert was a stud in San Francisco for him, so he just brings him over to the McDaniel brings him over to the Dolphins, and they they that offense they love to just plug and play whoever in there play him running back. Yeah, just because it worked in Denver with Mike Shanahan, it's worked in San Francisco, doesn't mean it's going to work in Miami, and it worked in Houston because Arian Foster was was a great player who got his opportunity. I think yeah. Arian could have excelled in any system, I but I think the Dolphins are still going to have problems running the ball. Okay, next one, John, for real or Fugazi. The departure the Astros missed the most in 2023 is Brent Strom from two years ago. For real or Fugazi? For real, I didn't think that last year because they met with Mel, Josh Miller and, and Murphy, they won the World Series. But this year, man, oh, man, their starting pitcher, Fromber's given up too many home runs. He's been shelled since the All-Star break. Hunter Brown, two wild pitches in the first inning. He was awful. Christian Javier hasn't been anywhere near the pitcher he was last year. Justin Verlander, 4.50 ERA since he was traded to Houston. J.P. France is the Astros' best starter. And I'll bet you if they started the playoffs tomorrow, Dusty wouldn't have him in the rotation. I would guarantee you that that would be the case because Dusty, no, nobody likes to ride the ship into the ground more than Dusty out of loyalty. I'm 100% with you, and it's it's – Let's let it play out before we get angry about it. But yes, if it happens, it's going to be malpractice. Look, if they keep John, the bottom line is if they keep pitching, these guys, the front line guys, keep pitching the way they're pitching. JP France can look like Sandy Koufax. If these guys keep pitching the way they're pitching right now, Fromber and Javier and and Hunter Brown, and let's face it, Verlander hasn't been great since he's been back. He's been okay. No. He hasn't been great since he's been back. If these guys keep pitching like this, the last thing we're going to need to worry about is. Who's who's where in a rotation for a playoff series? They ain't making the playoffs if this is how these guys are pitching the rest of the way. Just Great point because yeah. they were pathetic against the Mariners. They're two and eight against the Mariners, a team they dominated uh, last year and years before that. But man, oh man, they just terrible at home. They're so much better on the road. And something to keep in mind about the Mariners, who've won six in a row, they're playing the White Sox, the Royals, and the A's. And the Mets. There's a Mets in there too, John. A bunch of teams that have put up the white flag. It's yeah, it's crazy. So they're they ain't going anywhere. Um, all right, next one, John, for real or Fugazi. Maldi, Martin Maldonado, led a players only meeting after the Seattle sweep of the Astros on Sunday. For real or Fugazi, John, players only meetings are overrated. Not for real on that. You know, after if you win a few games, people say it was great. If you keep losing, people don't say anything about it. I always wondered why you need to do it. What can you say in a meeting that you can't say one-on-one -on -one or say on a bus coming to a game on the road or in a hotel? But uh, sometimes maybe they work. But right now, uh, Maldi's this I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at players that Dusty keeps starting Maldi over Diaz when Diaz is clearly a better player. He's got a better arm. He's, he's, he's just because Verlander and Fromber and Javier want him, in there, and I'm thinking, what are they going to do next year? Quit when Maldi's gone and Javier's in there? They don't put the best team on the field when Martin Maldonado is their catcher. No, not even close. Not not even close. <clears throat> All right, John, two more quick ones here. For real or Fugazi, college football starts this weekend, John. For real or Fugazi, late August is too early for college football games that count. 
I, boy, I'm going to say Fugazi because I love college football so much. I can't wait till it starts. I'll watch every week. I watch, and Carol does too. We get up and watch college game day. I think it's the best show on TV. It tells me so much about college football during commercials. I'll switch over to Fox, but I love college football. I feel bad. For those college kids that don't have indoor facilities and they're in the South and they have to practice in the heat, but somehow uh, they, they don't let it affect them. So, no, I think if they started playing in June, I'd be fired up about college football. And now that I'm saying that about college football, I want to say sick them bears. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I'm a big noon kickoff guy, John. Rob Stone is my best friend from high school, so I got I to gotta go with He my does guy. a great job. Yeah. But, John, as you know um, – I can watch multiple at the same time. Really? I didn't know. How do you do that? See that right there on the video? Picture in a picture? Yeah. No, multiple televisions. There you go. Must be <laughs> nice. It must be nice to live in a high rise in River Oaks area with multiple TVs. And how many balconies you got? I just have one balcony, John. Oh, just one balcony. And no, it'd be, you know, it'd be amazing if I could actually afford it too. That would be really, really cool. <laughs> you are living, you, you and Amy are living the life. We're living the dream. Yep, absolutely. All right, one more, John. You ready? Speaking of my wife, Amy, she had the app out yesterday for Disneyland in Southern California where it was a monsoon, and there were no lines yesterday. It was open, but there were no lines at Disneyland on the app. John, for real or for gazy, the best time to go to Disneyland is during a monsoon like this weekend because there are no lines for the rides. For real or for gazy? Fugazi, because nobody should even be thinking about going to Disneyland, playing that Saints-Rams preseason game with all the tropical storm warnings out there was preposterous. The best time to go is when it's really, really cold. Sometimes it does get cold out there. That's when I'd run to Disneyland because I don't know anybody that doesn't go when they're not wearing shorts and T-shirts. Do you uh do you like are you a, a Disney theme park uh, enthusiast? Do you like Disneyland and Disney World? Uh, I went to Disneyland once. I've been to Disney World two or three times when I was over at Astros Spring Training, and they would have some things for the media when they were mm. Kissimmee. Uh, but the best time I liked Disney World was when the NFL uh, got a big portion of it and had the media going from Tampa over there on buses, so we could have a run of the place. That was a lot of fun you okay so they rented out disney the the, the nfl booked disney world like wally world style you were like chevy chase yeah. not the, the whole ones. not the whole thing but a big okay. part of it where we could do everything one time they did it when we were at universal studios and man we had a great time doing that universal studios is pretty cool too I, Very. I, that, that's a good theme park that's when well. jerry jones had had a few drinks and said he could get 500 coaches to do what Jimmy Johnson did. Oh, that was then? That was then. <laughs> oh, good times. Good times. Jerry's still kicking it at 80, John. I saw him uh, doing an interview after the Cowboy game yesterday. Like he's We were on a Back to the Future ride where you go in it, and it makes it seem like you're going everywhere when you're just rocking in one place. And then when we got off uh, – one of the guys, a writer who's still around, I'm not going to embarrass him, okay. looked around and goes, man, we went all over the place. Where do we go? I don't see the tracks. Well, you idiot. We just, we never got off. <laughs> I've had some great times 
covering the NFL, Sean. Let me tell you. I know, man. I know. I know. Are you ever going to write a book, John? Like, a, like nope. with all your anecdotes or anything? No. No. I have no. Don't have the discipline. It wouldn't make any money, even if I found a publisher. You're taking him to the grave with you, huh? Taking him to no. I'll use them on podcasts and sports yep. radio 610. That's true. And at the uh, Utopia Hard Knocks dinner this Thursday night. I, I would imagine a story or two would get dropped. That's sold yep. out. So we're, we can't, there's nothing we're pimping here. We, it's, it, it, we've, we're, we've got an ass every 18 inches at this thing. It's sold out. Um, but uh, I would imagine a story or two. If there's people listening to this podcast, they're going to be out there on Thursday. You know, get them a little excited about it, you know? Now, I'm going early. I've got to do my regular uh, – Vandy, Vandermeer and John Harris appearance on Texans radio till 630. I'm going to do it over there in one of their rooms. And then I'm going to come out and tell as many stories as we can. going to be fun. going to be a whole lot of fun. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Um, we have a mailbag episode coming up on Wednesday. So if you want to email us a question about anything training camp wise, uh, thoughts on the game from this past Saturday, thoughts on the roster, the roster is going to start to take shape here pretty soon. Um, H O U mailbag at gmail.com H O U mailbag at gmail.com. John, what do you got going on on the sports radio, website this week? I was going to do an Astros column on Monday. I'm going to wait and see if they lose to the Red Sox. Send in Monday night. It'll be posted Tuesday and then I'll be doing Texans columns rest of the week. There you go. All right. So that is the great John McClain. You can get his work at sports radio, 610.com. Uh, if you're watching on video, you see our Twitter handles right there below our faces. If you're listening on the podcast, at McLean underscore on underscore NFL and at Sean T. Pendergast. Sean is spelled S-E-A-N. A reminder that if you're just now finding the podcast or if you've been listening but you go find it every week, make it easy on yourself. Click the subscribe button and it'll show up automatically at your doorstep. Just like delivering the Chronicle to your doorstep, except it's a podcast showing up on your phone. You don't have to do anything. And... It's free to subscribe, or as John likes to say, an old friend of ours likes to say, John, free, 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 free. Um, so yeah, hit that subscribe button. Give us a five-star review if we, uh, if you're so inclined. We would love that as well. That always helps. And um, tell a friend and keep listening. We'll be back a little later on this week uh, with a, another episode taking a look ahead to the Saints game and taking a look at some of the things going on around the NFL. And more, most importantly, digging into your mailbag questions, mailbag at gmail.com. For our producer, James Jackson, who gets his podcast out to all of you on such a timely basis, and for the Hall of Famer, John McClain, I am Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will talk to you next time on the Utopia Football Podcast. Take it easy, everybody.